This is an Average Fan Podcast hosted by Benny Hanna. Continue to like, rate, and subscribe. Make sure to share. Now streaming on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. This is an Average Fan Podcast hosted by Benny Hanna. Welcome back to an average fan podcast. This is your host, L Jones. Let's get into it. We got some college football week eight. We got some takeaways, our thoughts, some things that we saw this weekend that might have opened our eyes, might have led us to feed into the narrative that is, or maybe come up with our own thoughts and really see it through a different lens. So, how y'all doing out there? Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in, subscribing, rating, all that good stuff. An Average Fan Podcast, week eight, college football. So we have some takeaways, obviously. We'll start with a couple. Uh, maybe number one on our board is how good is Ohio State really? Uh, how good do we really feel Ohio State is? We'll get into that. TCU is really lurking in the shadows, y'all. And do we remember when Oregon kind of looked like a FCS team in week one? What are our thoughts on them now? As we crack open this show tonight, um, we saw some good games, obviously, as we usually do. I want to talk about a game. Texas and OK State going at it. This was down to the wire, y'all, as OK State had to really mount the comeback. Texas took a 31-17 lead in that second quarter, but then here you go with uh, OK State, and that home that home crowd proved so pivotal going down the stretch. Uh, OK State started mounting the comeback. Yo, Queen Ewers is going to be nasty, right? And selfishly, I just wonder, how good can Quinn Ewers been? How good could he have been in that Ryan Day system? I just wonder that selfishly, right? Obviously, it's just something you kind of wonder about. Like, man, dude, Quinn is talented. And you see why he committed to Ohio State. But just timing. Everything's about timing. Because if he had just stayed, he probably is clear-cut. He's driving that machine next year, and that would be scary with those receivers that they have. But we'll get into that later. Um, OK State and Spencer Sanders, man, they squeak out with a victory here. As he throws, he outthrows Quinn Ewers. Uh, Quinn Ewers with the three picks. Um, you get two touchdowns and one interception for Spencer Sanders. So go figure, right? If somebody says, hey, Spencer Sanders is going to outdo Quinn Ewers, you're going to totally be like, no, no way possible. But first start on the road, hostile environment, uh, 11th ranked team at, uh, in the nation at that time. So Queen Uris goes 19 to 49 for 319 and two touchdowns and the three interceptions. 
Bijan, I can do it. Everything Robinson, man, 24 carries, 140 yards and a touchdown. You you knew what you were going to get kind of out of Bijan, the consistency of yours is going to have growing pain. So you don't really hold it too much against him. But then also at the same time, um, this is a good team win for OK State as they go ahead and they try to really cement their self in this big 12. But as I said, TCU is lurking in the shadows and that's not the shadows of the big 12. Cause they've kind of, they kind of almost got that wrapped up. Right. Cause they're sitting undefeated. Number eight, uh, when they took on K state beating them 38 to 28 in a game, which they had to rally something that they've kind of been doing like lately, they've been getting down, but they've come back in multiple games. So with, uh, TCU, they're lurking in this national picture because we're coming up on an interesting time of the season when they start ranking the CFP. And sitting at, like I said, number eight nationally when they took on K-State, you get this feeling that this undefeated TCU team is really going to creep up here. Um, They got some tough teams in front of them, but... They're lurking and they're sitting in a prime position that kind of reminds you of uh, how they were in 2014, right? So um, looking at their schedule, they've already beaten Oklahoma, Kansas, OK State, and K-State. Their remaining schedule, they got Texas Tech, Texas, Baylor, and Iowa State. So I think they'll have to obviously – and then West Virginia uh, coming up this week, this weekend. I think you'll definitely have to be prepared for these games. Uh, looking at that Baylor game, it kind of sticks out. It's a game where you're coming off of a Texas and you're sandwiched in between the Iowa State. You still better come ready to prepare, uh, prepare to play uh, going out there to Baylor as well. So that'll be a road test. That – uh. That Texas game will probably summarize their season. Even though they kind of, in my eyes, control their destiny, that Texas game just looms large for a bigger picture type game. So they've been so dominant. Them Horn Frogs, man, doing it all. Feel good story. K-State comes up short in this one. But as you know, Martinez going down early. And them um, replacing him with Howard, and he throws an interception in this one. But overall, he didn't do too bad, 225 through the air. Uh, Max Duggan, Max Duggan, <laughs> he's been trucking along, carrying his team, 17-26, 280, and three touchdowns. And Quentin Johnston, man, he it, y'all, he's a monster out there. Long, got speed. He He's catching them touchdowns. Y'all might want to keep Quentin Johnston under wraps, man. Yeah, y'all might want to keep them. Y'all got to keep an eye on number one out there on the field. So, uh, love what I'm seeing out of TCU. Just from a fan of the game, love what I see out of TCU. Can't wait to see how their uh, year shapes up as they go forward. Um, one of our other topics. Do we remember how Oregon looked in in, in week one, right against Georgia? Georgia came out there and just. They just really handed it to him, and it really wasn't close. 
And it kind of had some people clamoring about what can Dan Landon really do out here in Oregon? Most people were, I mean, he'll be fine. It was Georgia. It was UGA. I mean, that was kind of an expected result, especially with the whole Bo Nix factor. His pass with UGA playing against them as a former uh, Auburn quarterback. So Dan had since then has reeled off. They've reeled off six, six straight, six in a row. You love that, right? Right. You get blown out forty nine to three in week one. How do you bounce back? A seventy to fourteen win. Then you go take on a uh, BYU team, and you take on BYU. You beat them forty one to twenty, and then you beat Wazoo. 44 to 41. And then you beat Stanford 45 to 27. And then you beat Arizona 49 to and then you beat UCLA 45 to 30. So you see this trend, right? The Ducks are putting up points. If they're able to get stops, they'll they're a tough team. They're a tough team. Is their number? Y'all ain't gonna believe it, but they're number eight in this current AP poll. So with uh <laughs> with UCLA dropping out. With that loss, and I mean, Oregon jumped on them early. Oregon jumped on them early. Got out to a 31-13 lead at half, and then they just kind of held it held it down pretty much. 38-31-13 uh, to, 38 to at half, and then coming out, going into the fourth quarter, 38-16. The game really wasn't close, even though UCLA tried to make it close. UCLA still struggling out there in Alton. Not an easy place to play, obviously. Shout out to Bo Nixon the season he's having. He's quietly turned it around as he's had he's got the five touchdown passes in this game. And uh on the season, he's got over eighteen hundred yards with seventeen touchdowns. So he's really <laughs> it's really interesting. And why is this interesting? Because now you're talking about Oregon in a bigger sense, right? Oregon's worst loss is UGA and we know how bad it was, but they've pretty much been dominating every opponent since then. What does this look like now going forward? As we talk about teams with matchups where it can go either way. Um, we know this is getting to the part of the season where the, the schedules get a little bit tougher as they still got that, uh, that 11, 19 matchup with Utah <laughs> looming on the schedule. And that's a tough one, especially how they played Utah last year. They played them twice, and Utah just, they bully-balled them. Took them to school. Middle schoolers versus elementary kids. They made them look bad. So, Oregon has turned it around. They're a team to also keep your eye on going forward, especially Pac-12-wise. National implications can be there if these teams above them obviously drop off. So, I normally don't really talk about my personal team and that being Ohio state, but I just thought for the heck of it that I would, they play Iowa, uh, beat them 54 to 10. This was a game in which CJ Stroud, he kind of struggled. Those who keep up with Ohio state nationally, or just a fan of, college football or even the team just just like what you see out the team um cj stroud has really has really committed to not leaving the pocket when it 
really benefits the team in the sense of running. And at times, this offense in Ryan Day, especially, and Kevin Wilson, they really don't go away from the pass. And this game that you see here going up against Iowa, who was the top three defense, keep that in mind, top three defense nationally coming into this game, you kind of just felt like you saw Michigan run for over 100 yards on this team. What can we see Ohio State do if people felt like the style of offense they in, they looked a little bit better than some of the duos across the nation? Well, they struggle only 60 60 odd yards rushing on the game. So you look at that and you're like, wow, I mean, Iowa really did them up. As a fan, I've been watching this team for a while. And here's just my assessment of it. CJ Stroud, at some point during the season, He'll have to really sacrifice it and really get out of the pocket. And here's why. Because thing people copycat, right? If one team sees uh, Iowa and they say, Iowa doesn't have the talent of a Penn State. Penn State says, we're going to copy this scheme. And then we're going to try to do some things with our athletes to really make it hard on CJ. Especially if CJ is just committed to just being a pocket quarterback. It hurts Ohio State because it almost makes them one dimensional because now at this point, you can kind of bracket and double team these receivers, especially not with 100% Jackson Smith and Jigba on the outside or in, or in the slot where he's normally at. You don't have that. And then that was another thing that kind of just threw this game off for these Buckeyes was Jackson comes back. You get all these play calls for Jackson. You're obviously looking for him, trying to get him touches. It slows and bogs down the progression. So it was just a bad vibe uh, game-wise. And when you look at it, you say, well, dog, they won 54 to 10. Man, their defense had a day. And shout out to them and shout out to Jim Knowles. I mean, Jim knows and this defense is crazy, y'all. They're crazy. Granted, right? We know the whole they haven't played anybody argument. That is true. But you've played who you played, and if you ain't lost to them, and you won, and you won convincingly, right? That's saying something, okay? Because all I know is them boys got six turnovers. Yeah, six of them things. CJ spotted them seven on the – um. On the sack fumble. So really we're looking at a 54-3 game. And then Ohio State's linebacker Tommy Eichenberg gets a pick six. In the game in which they dominated 360 total yards to 158 for Iowa's. Held them under 200 yards total as a team. Only eight first downs. We knew all Iowa's offense was bad. But six turnovers. Six turnovers. Come on now. Shut them out in the second half. They didn't do a thing. Obviously, they didn't really do too much the whole game inside, outside of that field goal. Does, does Ohio State have some things they need to really just correct and try to get better? 100% they do, right? 
CJ is going to have to go out there. He's going to have to lay it on the line. I mean, let's just be honest. He doesn't have to run the football seven times a game. But just give me four. Because guess what? No one is going to expect for you to take off and run. And when you start running, when you start sliding, these receivers downfield are get way more open because the eyes are get stuck in the backfield. Not only do you have a dynamic, dynamic running back group in Travion and Mayan, but you can also mix in just a sprinkle of athleticism. Just go get me some yards. I'm not saying, hey, man, I need you to run a 20. Just get me some yards. If everybody's covered off of you, boom, 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 here, 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 everybody's up. Take off, go. You have to do that to make it easier on your team because Michigan's probably looking at it like, wow, that's still the same team as last year. They're still soft. They didn't commit to the run. <laughs> they couldn't do nothing against Iowa. Man, we got them. But the th- the fact is, this Ohio State defense is different. So if you try to compare the common opponent in Iowa, it's different. Because if Ohio State can stop the run, where does that leave Michigan at going forward? But you can't really get into all of that because Ohio State has a very tough opponent coming up in Penn State in which they go out and they handle Minnesota without Tanner Morgan. Happy Valley wide out 45 to 17. They're bouncing back off of that Michigan loss. So this sets up an interesting matchup as the six and one Penn State going up against the seven and Ohio State. Remember about the matchups. This could be a tricky game for Ohio State. And here's why. Ryan Day needs to be committed to running the football and being physical and letting everything open up for the offense. Just my opinion. Y'all might not agree with it, but that's okay. When he is able to do that, the running back he needs to do that with is Mayan Williams. Mayan Williams has to get majority of, he has to be your, your RB1, right? Use Travion in situations where you want to stretch the defense, right? Bring them in screens, halfback passes, um, swing plays, get him in motion, get him going. But when you want to be physical, it's really Mayan Williams. And he's able to really just assert himself and really just beat up on defenses. And you need that, especially going up against some of these teams you're about to play. With this Penn State team, Ryan Day will probably go out and he'll try to pass all over them. But don't be surprised if he does that and it gets them in trouble early, especially with this game being on the road at Penn State. Ohio State has the talent to win that game, obviously, and win it comfortably with the way they've been playing lately. So let's just see what type of play calling Ryan Day and the offense come out here with. And that'll determine how long Penn State really stays in this game. But if they come out aggressive and really wanting to just insert themselves, Penn State has no chance in this game. It won't even be close. Um, we saw Clemson <clears throat> in a scare. And we also saw Clemson bench DJ. Which is interesting, right? Because a lot of people have been saying he might not be there next year. He might transfer out. And this benching might cause a rift, but in interviews, they all say the right things, right? 
I'll do whatever it takes for the team. Um, coach speak is like Dabo says something along the lines of DJ's our quarterback going forward. Um, and that's all well and good, but it's all about who gives you the best opportunity to win. And we're not saying that Cave Klubnik went out there and dominated, but sometimes when you get in a bind, you know, you get in a bind, you put in that new energy that, oh my gosh, he finally did it. They put in Clay. So everybody gets all excited. This was a game in which Syracuse really, they didn't dominate. Clemson kind of gave them turnovers and it assisted them, but they didn't capitalize the way they should have. Syracuse should have went away with this game, but Clemson and their D-line, really bogged down Syracuse and made life tough on them. Shut them out in the second half. Clemson puts up a 17 spot in the fourth quarter. They're able to stop the turnovers, get the job done. Shout out to Will Shipley. Hey, Clemson sitting here at number five looking on the outside in. They're just a team above them losing, being right in there. And it's hard to move them out because if they win their conference, which many people expect them to do. Um, <laughs> it, it's a good night. Because obviously when you look at what they got left on the schedule, um, you got Notre Dame next after the bye, and then you got Louisville. Uh, uh, underwhelming, very underwhelming. That's what the U stands for, underwhelming Miami. And then we got South Carolina to finish the year out. So they look well on their way to going undefeated again. And I just, I just don't know. I don't, this year, the way they're playing, their D line is very good, but the way that they're playing, I don't see them a major threat to anyone in the college football playoff teams ahead of them, right? Like a Georgia or Alabama, even in Ohio state, it'll be kind of hard to really go up against it, especially the way they've been turning the ball over. So they'll kind of be a different matchup. And we know that Alabama bounced back in the win column 30 to 6 over Mississippi State. We expected that to happen. Not surprised by it at all. But if we're going to be surprised about one thing, right? Because here's how narratives work and how they're dressed up. And when someone creates a narrative, they'll get your attention running somewhere, right? Everybody whether it's Instagram or Twitter, they they harped about how Ohio State really struggled to run the ball against Iowa. That's how they make the narrative sound. Mind you, Iowa was the number three defense in the nation coming into that game. Jameer Gibbs is arguably a dynamic back and should be having some Heisman consideration, right? Do you know as a team, Alabama ran for 29 yards against Mississippi State? Oh, hold on. Let me let me guess. They're in the SEC, right? That They can do that, right? That That's kind of how that goes, right? I mean, should we not be surprised that this will be thrown around? Nevertheless, Alabama gets the victory, but just, just think about that. 27 carries, 20, 29 total yards. Thank y'all for listening to An Average Fan Podcast. This has been your host, L. Jones. Continue to rate, 
subscribe, comment, like, and share week eight college football reactions. And we out. <laughs>